Welcome back to the Sunday session on NRL.com. My name is Chris Kennedy. With me, as always, to discuss all eight games from round three is Kenny Scott. Kenny, thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Super excited to get into it, CK. This week, our special guest is from the Dragons. I was about to say prop, but he's not a prop. He's a hole-running, edge-defending second rower. Please welcome Josh Kerr. <laughs> Cheers, legend. Thanks for that. Mate, um, I guess before we talk about the, the huge win over the Dragons, just give us a quick run through your uh, your work on the edge. It seems like you're sort of um, improving every week. You've uh, already got your first four-pointer of the year. You're enjoying it, running a little bit wider? Oh, oh mate, um, definitely. It has been... Uh... It has been a massive challenge, to be honest, you know. Um, you know, Hook, uh, at the start of preseason, when I come back, you know, Hook wanted me to put on a bit of weight too. So I'm already about, you know, five five kilos heavier than I was this time last year. And, um, yeah, then he wanted me, you know, to sort of jump in the back row as well. So it has been a, it has been a bit of a challenge, you know. I, I was pretty happy, you know. I pumped out my first 80-minute game on the weekend. So the lungs were absolutely screaming for the interchange card. But, uh, <laughs> no, mate, I'm pretty happy. It's been a good challenge. What's been the biggest thing for you? I mean, you, you talk about front row being very tough physically, but also sort of relatively straightforward in terms of what's required of you up and back in the middle. And you've got blokes next to you out wide. You're sort of working with your halves. You're running a few angles. You might have some more one-on-one tackles. What's kind of been the biggest uh, change for yourself? Oh, it's definitely the, the decision-making in defence. Um, you know, I, was, I struggled at the start with it when I first came in, you know, like like you said, you know, I'm used to playing in the middle. So you kind of just up and down and work from the inside out. But, you know, a lot of it's, it's pretty um, daunting, you know, when you're, you know, you're on the edge and you're versing, you know, like in our charity shield match, you know, we had bloody, you know, South Sydney on that out, that that edge, you know, yeah. they, they loaded up their left, their left edge, our right edge where I was defending, you know, and I was pretty, you know, I was embarrassed and nervous about it because, you know, mm. it's, you know, you make the wrong decision and they're scoring and, you know, um, you know, I took a lot out of that game. I took actually, you know, as bad as it was, you know, I did actually take a lot of confidence out because I knew then that I was going to do anything I can to keep working at it and, you know, keep learning and making sure I was better. And, you know, I feel like I am developing that, you know, defensive reads and that defensive skill on the edge a lot better. But um, still still a long way to go. But I'm very glad that I've got, you know, you know, Benny Hunt on the edge. He's He's been outstanding with me, man. He, it's so hard yeah. to, to go from Tyson Frizzell to... You know Josh Kerr, so um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it's been it's been it's been good to buddy, you know, have someone who's pretty patient with me, but he helps me a lot as well. So very grateful for him. Yeah, nice. I mean, like you say, it was a bit of a baptism of fire in that charity shield. Latrell Mitchell, Cody Walker running that south left edge. But um, me and Kenny said on this very podcast last week after you guys beat the Cowboys that the uh, the Dragons might be a lot better this year than than what a lot of people sort of gave them credit for. And that was that was before the big win over Manly. You're now two from three, and you you had a lot of good signs as well in that round one loss over the the Sharkies. There must be a, a bit of spirit building around the club at the moment. Oh man, I, you know it's. Um... Look, to, to be quite fair, you know, I think this year, we it's just something about our team culture this year that's so, it's so different. And it's not saying that it was not as good in the other years, you know, but, you know, Hook's come in and he, he's made a real big, you know, focus on building that team culture and that togetherness. And it's hard when, you know, you're missing people like Cam McInnes and Tyson Frizzell. But, you know, the way I've looked at it, and this is me personally, you know, I, I think... Um, you know, having those blokes in the team, because they are so good and they're such a superstar talent, you know, you, we probably relied on them maybe a bit too much. I'm not too sure. You know, that's my personal sort of take. But, 
this year, you know, we've obviously lost them and we're actually starting to really play for each other and build a really strong, you know, bond throughout the boys. And you can definitely tell, you know, rocking up the training, man, we are so, it's such a tight bunch this year. It's awesome to see. You know, everyone loves hanging out with each other. It's, it's always been a bit of a challenge because half of us, you know, live up in Sydney and half live down in the gong. Yeah. But this year we've had a real big focus on just coming together and doing a lot of things together, you know, and, you know, you know, a bit of that, you know, a bit of the old school way of having a few beers together and, that, and, hey, you know, that's, that's just what's exciting at the moment is that, you know, when, you know, you can play for each other, you know, the results sort of come and sort of always beats that sort of team full of superstars. Just tell us about this, man. You go, mate, 38 points to 12, it finished up. Did you did you see any kind of, you know, hints that that, that sort of scoreline might be coming or it's just one of those games where you got on a bit of roll and, and went on with it? Oh, man, to be honest, you know, like that, you know, man, like Manly were a great side. I, they're very physical, very tough. They got a massive forward pack. They were very physically dominant, you know, I thought. But like I said about that, um, that bond that we've had that we built throughout the boys, you know, there was a few times we're on the back foot there, but we just keep, we just keep turning up for each other in defense and it's starting to, it's starting to just build and build every week, you know, and I think it started from that round one game, you know, we didn't get the win, you know, but we did take a lot of good things out of it where we sort of saw for the first time, you know, obviously after the charity shield, you know, to be quite fair, we got our ass handed to us, but you know, from that, we saw it's, we're not blind, mate. You know, we, we saw all the reports from everyone saying that we're not going to, we've got no aggression in the middle, we've got no defensive attitude. You know, any, you know, any reserve grade side could have beaten us. And we sort of took that personally. And, mate, I thought we've come out and we've really, you know, I wouldn't say shut a lot of people up, but we are, we are working towards becoming one of the better defensive teams in the, in the comp. I think from the first two rounds, we had the best, you know, ruck control stat. So, yeah, mate, I just, you know, Coming from that game, that Manly game, I just thought we had a lot of times we're on the back foot and our defence is what won us the game. And from the from the defence, you know, we had Normie that broke the line. We were on our, like, 10, 20-metre line. Normie broke the line. You know, it wasn't probably the best pass to Duffo, but, you know, we're, we're winning games from that defence, you know. We're, we're breaking them, holding them out, and then we just – we got the boys and the players to – who've got the, the good – like, you know, they got the points in them to get us the points. But, mate, yeah, it was pretty much – you know, it's just a different feeling this year. And, I, you know, to be honest, like, when we started getting a few tries at the back end of the game, I thought, you know, we've broken them here. So, yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wasn't expecting a massive scoreline like that, but I'm pretty glad it came. Next one, Kenny. Josh, you were quoting from you from just a couple of minutes ago. You said poor old Benny Hunts had to go from defending next to Tyson Frizzell to Josh Kerr. Like, that's a bad thing. But, uh, I mean, he copped a knock in, in um, the, game, uh, the game yesterday um, and... Uh, was sort of out of action for a lot of it after that. And reading up this morning, it, it looks like a suspected broken leg. Did, did you know he was, he was that hurt? Oh, at the start of the game, I saw he was limping. And he had his um, – look, I don't even know if he did it in the game. To be honest, I thought before the game, he had that leg strapped up. He was already having dramas with it. And, um, mate, he is honestly so – like a lot of people don't know, like not just tough physically but mentally as well, you know. And, you know, he, he's copped a lot of stuff over the last few years. But – the person that he is and the player that he is, mate, he is just the one word I can describe him as is tough. And, um, mate, I saw at the start of the game, he was limping and he'd hurt himself. And I was just like, Jesus, like, all right, well, here we go. And, um, yeah, like, look, there was times I came out, like he loved, he, it's the best thing about Benny Hunt is that he makes me feel so comfortable in defense because he likes hitting, but like he's played in the middle, he's played hooker. So there's a few times he's wanting me to put some pressure on Kieran Foran 
Kieran Foran hit short to that um that back that back roll fella, and he was just stepping into him and taking him to the ground after he'd done his leap. So that just shows how how tough he is. And you know what made me realize how tough he was is that he just thought he was a cork, which was, <laughs> was just, just out. I was just like, "You're insane, Benny." But mate, if it was me, I would have dropped down. I would have been calling for the stretcher. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, and so awful. how are you how are you face feeling now, facing the prospect of um potentially not having him for a couple of weeks? Yeah, it's obviously going to be a bit of a loss, you know. Obviously, he is starting to play some absolutely unreal, you know, 2015 grand final form, Ben Hunt, you know, and that's awesome to see. I'm so happy for him. But, um, look, all the boys this year have done such a great job in preseason. Um, you got the likes of Adam Clune. you got um, young Bud, Bud Sullivan as well. Um, you got Jack Bird who could slot in that position as well. So, it um, it's obviously going to be a bit of a bit of a challenge, but either way, we just got to attack it. Um yeah, look, they're not they're gonna come in and you know, they're not gonna be Ben Hunt, but Adam Clune's gonna be Adam Clune. And I I've I've played a lot of football with Adam with Clooney. And he um, you know, he goes very well too. And it's gonna be unreal to see him get his chance again, you know. And unfortunately it is through injury, but you know, I think I think Clooney for me personally is gonna do a great job. So I can't wait to start building that bond with him as well in the, on the edge there. But yeah, mate, look, I think he's gonna do a great job. Whoever comes into that spot, uh, I think they're all ready to go. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, uh, Josh, we probably sit here and talk to you all day. Fantastic insights into how the Dragons are going this year, but I know you're uh, you got a um, a fight to watch as we uh, as we sit here and speak. And you're taking time out of your day to have a chat to us, so massively appreciate you stopping by the uh, the Sunday Session podcast. Congrats on your form and the team form uh, so far this year, and all the best for the rest of the season. Oh, I really appreciate that, guys. Thanks so much again for having me on here. I appreciate it. Kenny, let's have a look at the other seven games of the round. The final one of the uh, of the third round of the NRL season. Cowboys and the Titans up there at Queensland Country Bank Stadium in Townsville. Absolute one-way traffic. The Titans um, piling on the points. The Cowboys just super disappointing. I'll tell you what, it doesn't get any easier for Todd Payton. Eh? He's, really, um, he's really got a tough assignment in front of him because that's three losses in a row. And that, that loss was... Uh, it was pretty humiliating, and no, sorry, not humiliating, demoralising is probably the, 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 a better a better term because the times were like the times were red hot in the first half. Cowboys had absolutely no answers, but the way that the Cowboys played, and also the way the Titans played in the second half, I mean, it would have been a big comeback, but it wouldn't, it wasn't, it wasn't beyond the realm of possibilities. But the, the Cowboys just like they couldn't hold onto the ball. It was just an error, um, uh, an error. A fawn. Um, and when they did get chances, they sort of, yeah, they, they just, they just bombed them with a, a wayward pass or a, um, you know, a weird kick. And there's a lot of handling errors as well. It's just, uh, yeah, it's tough times in Townsville. Yeah. I don't really know what Todd Payton could really do in the short term. Their, their pack was totally outmatched by the Titans. They just weren't making a dent. Um, in any way, David Fafita just running absolutely rampant on that left edge. Um, mm. Tino Fasso, Malawi, Maiki Fodawaka, all the the big boys through the middle, you know, stamping all over the the top of the the Cowboys pack. They just they sort of had no answers. I thought. I mean, both teams lost their, their main playmaker. Michael Morgan, unfortunately, forced out with a, a shoulder injury, that ongoing one that, you know, potentially, you know, hopefully not career-threatening. And then um, Ash Taylor sitting out for the Titans with a, a short-term um, broken hand. But obviously, the Titans managed that a lot better. I did think the combination between Val Holmes at fullback and, and Scott Drinkwater in the halves sort of picked up as the game went on. They had a couple of nice sequences of passing. They set up Murray Tuolangi for a try. They almost had another one, but there was a obstruction run that... that um, ruled that one out but um yeah just 44 to 8 just so far away from from 
you know, being competitive at the moment. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. Like you said, like, I don't know what changes the Cowboys can make. I think it's, it's going to be one of those um, situations where, you know, the new coach comes in and he has to obviously stamp his authority on the team and change the culture and mold into the shape that he, way that he wants to be. And I think there's going to have to be a fair bit of um, turnover of, of, um, of players in that roster for before things really start to turn around. And I think it's, um, it's going to be a bit of a long-term project, unfortunately. I didn't, like, I'm, I always want the Cowboys to be successful. I didn't fully understand how much that would struggle this year um, until that game when it was just, that first half was, um, it's like they didn't know what they were supposed to be doing. They didn't know how to defend. They couldn't defend and their attack was blunt. Like they had no, um, like they just didn't have a plan. And as you said, it was all Titans forwards just pushing them around. They were being bullied. What do we think of the Titans? A little bit disappointing in round one and then two big wins on the trot, but two big wins against teams that didn't throw a whole lot at them. I guess the good news is that the players we hoped would be good were really good for Feeder and, and Tino. Like I said, we're, we're near unstoppable um, in the pack. Probably a bit early to call them a top four team, but I think they do actually creep into the top four after three rounds based on um, four. I mean, not that that, you know, three rounds, you haven't had, you know, teams have played all lower teams or all upper teams. I'm not saying that mm. being in the top four after three rounds makes you a top four team, but are we, are we on the Titans train yet? Do we think they're legit? Do we think they're top eight bound at the end of the year? No, I think they're, uh, they're on the right track, but I, they have to, there's a whole lot of teams that they have to play before we get, before you, you get like a good read on the type of team they are. This, what we've seen so far has been impressive, but you know, there's uh, like there's Melbourne, there's the Roosters, there's Canberra, there's you know, there's, there's Panthers. How do you how you perform against those teams will really be um, will be really telling. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it'll be interesting to see how the uh, both teams go over the next couple of weeks. The earlier Sunday game, I know you want to talk about this one. Never in doubt <laughs> for the West Tigers. Twenty-four oh, points man. to twenty, they stole the points up in Newcastle, and um, yeah, what, what, talk us through the ride. Uh, this was a horrible, horrible afternoon of nothing. It was pure stress, anxiety. Um, it's you can't, as a Tigers fan, you can't enjoy a win, even when the game's over. You still can't enjoy it because unless it was an absolute thrashing, like unless they win fifty nil, all wins are stressful. Um, and so uh, I want to get something out of the way at the top because I don't want to be a, um, I don't want to be a negative Nancy. But really, the error count was something like eighteen to eight. The Tigers really should have won by a lot more had they um, had their stuff together. But I think the, the Knights, um, it's, a, it's, it's, you know, 50% Knights loss, 50% Knights the Tigers win rather than 100% Tigers win because, yeah, the Knights were, were awful at in, in patches. And to be winning, they were ahead by, what, two points with six minutes to go or something like that. That says more about the Tigers, a lot about the Tigers and a lot about the Knights, I think. Um, yeah, that, that kind of error count and, and the way that the Knights were handing over possession to the Tigers so easily, they really should have been in a lot stronger position towards the end of the game. But a win is a win and it's very good to see them um, get, you know, get, a, get two points against the name and I think that puts them in 13th position on the ladder, CK. <laughs> well, onwards and upwards from there, Ken. Um, yeah, I mean, there were some good signs. I thought Adam Dewey had a really good game. Um, Luke Brooks, I didn't notice a whole lot. Dane Laurie was fantastic again. The pack, I didn't really think had too many individual standouts, but sort of shared it around enough to get the job done. Jacob Little had some nice signs um, out of dummy half again. So, um, yeah, I mean, what did you make of the, you know, the various positional Sorry. Yeah, I thought the, the, the forwards uh, forwards are always a worry, and they weren't particular. They weren't a particular worry in this game. I've got some. Um, I'm not quite sure where I land on um, Kapoa on the wing because he's got 
he had some some really cool, like excellent things that he did in that game. Like um, a, he put a really a crucial and big hit on I can't remember who it was, but I think um, Kofta that, that earned possession late in the game, which was great. Yes. But he had some weird like at one point he just dropped a pass cold, like you know, charging no on Sarah. Yeah. yeah, with no pressure, and that would have that would have probably potentially won the game. Um, early on in the game, um, he was put down the sideline and with you know, three Tigers on his inside screaming for the ball. He puts in a kick, which is acceptable this day and age but he kicked it out like, it like play three as well wasn't it yeah weird weird stuff like that so i'm not i'm not sold on him i just don't know what he needs he's only he's like i think that was his ninth game so he's he's, he's raw um and I, I guess he could go either way i think it just um seeing him in that game was uh frustrating at times it's a weird sort of up and down game for the Knights. I thought pretty much all of their forwards were good uh i thought Jaden braley had another fantastic game um Tyson Frizzell on the right edge uh, was fantastic. Um, you know, Clemmer and, and Daniel Saifidi through the middle. Connor Watson playing lock off the bench. It was just absolutely everywhere and really dangerous. So the, pretty much the whole pack was getting the job done. But then just so many errors from the backs. I know... Um, Probably Garmet Shibasaki is going to cop a, a fair bit of it, but you know the the rookie oh, John Young was, on his, yeah. yeah, he had some pretty poor errors. And yeah, by the, by the end of the game, the, the bombs were going up, and they just weren't even sure who was going to try and catch it, and they were bouncing or missing or whatever. But you know, Dom Young on um, on NRL debut, that the young English lad, he'll he'll learn plenty from that. It's probably important to point out. I think they got what four of their back five missing. You know, Pong is still out. Edric Lee's mm-hmm. out. They lost Bradman Best during the week. Star Toa for this game as well. So they're their backline depth really tested, but um, yeah, like you say, extremely uh, costly with some of the uh, errors. But I mean, it's probably been opening three rounds more good than bad for for Newcastle. But um, yeah, they're going to need to brush that one pretty quickly. The Dragons at home next week, which if you'd asked me a month ago, I would have said they do pretty handily. But the Dragons, um, you know, as we touched on with Josh Coe earlier and, and spoke about last week, have certainly shown some signs. So Knights won't want to take that one. Um, too lightly. Anyway, let's move on to Saturday footy. Um, it finished up well, two of the three games, just absolute wars of attrition. Um, some shocking uh, injuries over the weekend, not so much on the, the Sunday games, but this the final Saturday game, Eels 28-4 over the Sharks. Probably a bit of an unfair scoreline, I thought, on Cronulla, just given um, they used four interchanges in this match all in the first half and all to replace players who were ruled out for the game, um, which was uh, Sione Katoa, the winger, knee injury. Will Kennedy, um, fullback, head knock just before half time. Then both starting edge forwards, Wade Graham and Britton Nakora, um, in the first half to, to HIAs that they failed as well. So they weren't able to use any interchanges on just changing players. They used four to take blokes out of the game, and, and that was it. So really tough stuff for the Sharks, but I thought they really showed some defensive resilience under a lot of pressure. And those you know, little burst of late tries didn't really tell the story. Yeah, like you said, it, it, the scoreline um, it flatters the eels, or it it, it, do, it doesn't flatter the sharks when it um, when the way the game unfolded, the sharks should feel quite proud about what happened. Like you said, I can't believe they held out for as long as they did because you just knew at some point the the, the fatigue is going to get them, and and Parramatta is going to like you know going to get those um, nails in the coffin. I didn't think they'd get so many nails in the coffin towards the end, but they, they did. Um, yeah, really surprising. And like you said, it's not uh, it wasn't the first game of this type that we've seen this round. Um, but just the, the way uh, the Sharks showed, uh, what would you call it, grit? We'll call it grit and toughness. I think John Morris would be quite proud. Um, and it was really, uh, like, there was nothing they could do about it. Like, when, you, when you're in that position, I don't see how they could have beaten any team um, when you have 
no interchange for that for that long. It's just a really tough ask, let, let alone against Parramatta. And Parramatta being one of the you know the top, one of the better sides of the league this year, or predicted better sides of the league this year. To keep them out for so long was um yeah, it says a lot about them. So they should take a lot away from it. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Woods had to play all 80 minutes. Toby Rudolph had to play all 80 minutes. Um, you know, Braden Hamlin, you really played all 80 minutes. Like, these guys just couldn't go off. Like, it was absolutely, you know, sort of hard to, to watch um, for a time. But, I mean, what about for the Eels? They had a bit of duress of their own. They lost their halfback, Mitch Moses, about 20 minutes into it. Another head knock. Mike Acevo went off um, for an HIA. He actually passed and came back on. But while he was off, we had, for a period of time, the Parramatta centres were Murata Niakore and Isaiah Papali'i and the Cronulla centres were Jack Williams and Teague Wilton. If you told me that three weeks ago, that Cronulla v Parra would have those four centres on the field at the same time, I'd have wondered what on earth was going on. Yeah, there was obviously running repairs being made to, to both teams, but like for Par- like in, in Parramatta's favour, they lost Mitch Moses. And so what was it? Will Smith steps up to be like the chief playmaker. And he had, a, he had an outstanding game, I thought, for, yeah. a, um, for a stand-in halfback. So I guess... Um, it just goes to show uh, where there's, you know, depth in key areas is is, um, is obviously going to uh, be good for you down the track. When you've got no when you've got no interchange, you're kind of stuck. I mean, they did what they needed to do, which was just acknowledge that the Sharks were going to run out of energy and stay patient and just hang on to the ball. I think at one point they had 70% of second half possession. They, um, you know, just wouldn't let the Sharks have the ball, which was kind of um, brutal, but yeah, did what they needed to do in them and, and Penrith, the only two unbeaten teams through, uh, through three rounds. So good signs for Parramatta. The second Saturday game, the Broncos and the Bulldogs um, pretty much being called the, the spoon bowl already. I know it's uncharitable, but um Broncos broke, a, I think, a 13-game losing streak. They were heading towards territory for worst ever uh, NRL, uh, losing streaks of the NRL era, but they um, got a much-deserved win. Uh, a few bright spots for them, some lovely stuff from Xavier Coates and Jermaine Ozarko, Anthony Milford, who was pretty bright in, in round one, then terrible in round two, bounced back, I thought, in a, a big way. They had some, some good efforts from a few of their forwards. Um, so a real morale-boosting win for them, but for the Bulldogs, I, I don't know. If you don't score a point against Brisbane, it's, it could be a long year. Yeah, I don't want to be, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but legitimately I have no notes about the Bulldogs for that game. I didn't know what to write because what, what can you take out of it other than like, man, they're in a real tough spot. Um, they've been held scores two games in a row, which is, I mean, it, it's, that's humiliating. Um, and it doesn't look like it's getting any better because they just got held scoreless by another, one of the teams that everyone's tipped to come, you know, pretty close to the bottom of the ladder. It's, it's it's tough, and I don't know I I don't know what they can do because um, I mean there's always wait for next year because that's when Josh Adokar arrives and that's when Burton arrives et cetera et cetera. But you still got a whole season to get through, and you want to show progress and you want to show growth. I don't see I don't know where it's going to come from. So um, it it was a yeah it would have been a tough afternoon to be a Bulldogs fan. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, it was tough. Tough watching that whole first half. Just the the pace of the game and the errors and the you know passes going behind players and it was just sort of slow rugby league. That first forty, there are a few little sparks of excitement in that the second forty by some of the players I mentioned, Izako and Coates and those sort of guys. But um, yeah, a slow grind for a lot of it. Um, they lose Jeremy Marshall King as well. Um, about six weeks of the broken foot, I think it is. So it's going to test their, their depth even further. I'm not sure where their next um, win is coming from. For Brisbane, I mean, they, they had to win this one, right? But they've got, we talked about it last week, you know, Storm and Panthers, all these, um, you know, top sides coming up. So it's um, probably a bit of a false dawn in one sense. 
Yeah, the Broncos, I think, will take a, a good like morale boost from that victory, but I don't think it's going to last long because whilst they scored 24 points, they didn't come easily. Like It was 2-0 at halftime. The Bulldogs were quite poor. Um, and you know, like you said, there was handling errors. There was there was a whole bunch of issues um, for the Broncos through that game. They got away with it, but um, that is probably the uh, uh, easy again, not the right word to use. But you know, all opposition is going to be a lot more tough than that. Um, and you know, it, it wasn't a it wasn't a um, a resounding win. Mm. Uh, the earliest Saturday game, the other real war of attrition from um, from the round, the Raiders and the Warriors. Um, this was kind of a, a stressful game to watch as a, a neutral because um, Raiders lost so many players early on, but they were still, you know, the Warriors are really self-combusting, some really poor errors and poor pieces of play. Raiders out to a, a huge lead, but you knew that they were going to start to run out of energy with, you know, no interchanges and um, not able to get fresh legs on the field. And then um, Warriors came sort of storming home over the top of them. And then Raiders almost stole it in the, the final seconds. And Roger Tuovasa-Shek, who had one of the best games I've ever seen from him, um, the, the Superman effort in the corner to deny Jordan Ruppiner and, and win the game for the Warriors, just had everything. Yeah, I, I, I feel like um, I've disrespected Raiders fans and Warriors fans by saying that Tigers game was stressful because that game had nothing on this one. My <laughs> God, what, what a ride it would have been for everyone. And yeah, even for neutrals, it was... So much fun to watch. It was, you know, um, edge of the seat sort of stuff. You knew it was like the way the Raiders, again, similar to Cronulla, the way the Raiders had um, were down on troops, you sort of knew that energy would get, would get the better of them. It was all a matter of could they rack up enough points in that first half to, um, you know, to still be ahead at halftime because you knew the Warriors would eventually come and run over the top. And, man, what a finish. I, I just – I did not expect it to get um, to get as close as it was. I would have thought when um, – it was Elliot Whitehead scored for Canberra in the second half, I think against the run of play off a um, yeah. Rappiner, um break. Uh, and I thought, oh, that's, that's probably going to be the win for Canberra. How unexpected. Um, and then the Warriors just swung it back the other way and just kept and, – and piled all the points. I really I'm, – I'm becoming a huge fan – of um, Ben Murdoch Masilla. I think he's terrific. like we, we mentioned it last week. Um, I didn't, you know, five years in a Super League can can sometimes make you better, but generally probably won't when it comes to the NRL standard. But he's come back such a better player than when he left. Um, and he just had a, an absolutely outstanding game. He's, he's, he's great to watch. Yeah, he was one of the guys that really turned the tide, I thought, through the, the middle as the Warriors sort of cut out all those first half errors and got themselves back in the grind. Torhu Harris, as we sort of come to expect from him uh, every week, was, was great uh, in the middle for them as well. Um, I thought Ryan Sutton in particular really um, lifted the standard for Canberra, just given the, the minutes that he had to play in the middle and the players they lost, which was, you know, locked Joe Tarpany off about 10 minutes in with a, an ankle issue. And then unfortunately, a friendly fire head clash between Ryan James and Seb Chris uh, about 12 minutes in, they both failed their, their HIAs. So um, yeah, uh, Raiders down to one on the bench from, you know, 12 or 13 minutes into the, the contest. Sutton in particular, I thought really uh, stood up and, and led the way for them. And I mean, the, it's one of those ones that they really, really, really didn't deserve to lose. You just sort of felt for them, given how hard they, they were fighting. Well, yeah, Ricky Stewart said it. It's one of the, one of the tough, toughest performances of, of a team he's ever been involved in. Everyone should feel proud, um, which is true. They really should feel proud. It's just, you know, sometimes you've got to copy medicine and, oh, that would have been some tough medicine to swallow, that's for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, fingers crossed uh, James and, and Chris are both fit next week. Hudson Young, who missed this game with a shoulder complaint, hopefully he's back as well. So um, I, don't, I don't think any sort of danger signs or, or worrying signs for the Raiders at all. Just a, a tough one to cop and, and on to next week. 
Um, Friday night footy. Um, this one didn't go how I planned or how I predicted at all, the, the Rabbitohs and the Roosters. I gave the Rabbitohs certainly a, a big chance, especially given their 60-8 to 8 win at the end of last year. Um, but I wasn't expecting them to be quite so dominant as what they were in the first half of this one. I know the Roosters lost, unfortunately, Luke Keary, devastating blow, um, season-ending ACL injury in the, the second half. And also Lachlan Lamb, a media was going to miss uh, a month or so. Um, but that the, the Rabbitohs were dominating long before the, uh, the injury started to take hold. Yeah, like you said, those two, they're, they're huge losses for the Roosters, but the game was over when, when those things happened. Um, yeah, this came out of nowhere. I also did not predict this, thought it would be, thought South would put up a really tough fight. But the way the Roosters have gone this year, and every year seemingly, um, I thought it would be a, um, a pretty strong win to them. But um, it was weird. They just, they just didn't play like the team that we'd seen in rounds one and two. And maybe that says... Um, you know, because the opposition like, was it Manly and the Tigers um, for them, not as not in the same class as, as South this year. Um, and maybe that had a lot to do with it because the Roosters were playing like, um, it just seemed like it got to the point where they realised this wasn't going to be easy like it had been previously and they weren't prepared for that, um, which is odd of a, a, a Trent Robinson coach side. Uh, but that just seemed how it went to go. Like I got, I got the feeling that Souths, because the way that, the way that, like the energy that South played with and the intensity, especially like Cody Walker and Latrell Mitchell, they were like excited and up for this game. And I got the feeling that the Roosters had spent the whole week pretending that it wasn't a big game and saying, it's just another game. It's just another game. Whereas I think South had spent the whole week building themselves up for it. Like we're, you know, we're here, we're going to play the Roosters and this is a massive game in that rivalry. And we're not going to let them get away with it. We're not going to let them push us around and we're going to come and, and um, put it in their face. And, and they did, they just seemed like they seemed shell-shocked. It was, it was really surprising. Mm, had a, a lot of good players. South, pretty much 17 good players, but Dean Gagai, someone we haven't mentioned, who I thought was absolutely immense, um, playing out wide as well. But uh, yeah, playmakers all got the job done. Latrell and Cody Walker is always just really dominant. Their, their pack, which I think we've kind of said this a couple of times, often doesn't have one player who has a Taumalolo type game, but just no one is ever bad. They just sort of all seem to help each other out. I thought, you know, Cam Murray was quite eye-catching, but as always, Tom Burgess and Tavita Totola, Mark Nichols, Jai Arrow, just all sort of rolling their sleeves up and, and working together, which was, um, you know, it's been a, one of their strengths of late. Um, what do we think for the Roosters? I mean, no Keary is obviously, you know, one of the, the very best players in, in the entire NRL competition and, and their main ball player. Uh, losing Lachlan Lamb as well at the same time is rough. We, we think it's going to be Drew Hutchison and young gun Sam Walker into the halves for, for next week, but that um, you know, it's a big change at this time of year. Yeah, the Roosters, you've got to give the Roosters, um, you know, past experience says that the Roosters can plug hole easily and they, you know, they can work out a plan to get around weak spots. Um, but she's losing your established half and your, you know, up and coming half, losing your halves combination in round three is tough to sort of bring in two unknown entities essentially to try and fill that role. Um, I mean, you know, everyone, I don't know, I haven't seen anything about Sam Walker, but um, all the news is that he's going great, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, and the Roosters obviously have invested a lot in him. So they think there's something there. Um, and you have to think that they know what they're doing, but uh, it's just, I had, again, after rounds one and two, I'd thought, okay, Roosters are going to go through this thing, maybe dropping one or two games. Um, after what I saw last night and the injury toll I had last night, I'm, I'm reconsidering whether I should um, redo my tips for the whole year because my, I had a formula for my tipping, which was always pick the Roosters. Um, 
I think I'm going to have to drop that because I don't know, I just don't know how they're going to go. Yeah, I mean, no one ever would have seen this coming, losing Kiri and, and Lamb in round three. But um, yes, yeah, some um, some big headaches for for Trent Robinson to to solve. What I will say about Sam Walker is he's um he's still very young. He's still quite small, but he's absolutely absolutely talented. He's um watching a bit of him in the um the reserve grade competition some of the stuff he does you really just sort of go oh my god that was a, a nice nice piece of play so you know i'm not expecting him to come in and be luke Keery or cooper cronk from from day one but um i think he's their long-term seven regardless and he's just going to get pushed in a little bit sooner than than was ideal but interesting to see how he goes um as the season unfolds the earlier friday game uh the dragons 38 12 winners over the seagulls we've already talked to josh kerr about the dragons just a quick word on manny before we move on because they're probably in a, a similar boat to the cowboys just short on troops and rosters a bit out of whack and short on answers and i'm not sure where they go from here yeah they didn't look like they, were, they had much to say about that game and again um you know, they just, their attack was, I just felt they spent most, most, all their time in possession. They spent it like in the middle, just sort of standing still, passing it around, waiting for someone to maybe do something because they didn't really know what that, what, what the plan was from there. It was just a lot of, a lot of sort of dilly-dallying about midfield um, and a lot of drop balls. They've got a lot of work to do. Um, you know, Des Hasler's re-signed for at least another two years. So I know that part of the business is, is sorted, but yeah, they've got some roster issues they really need to overcome. Don't know how, how, um, how long uh, Turbo is still got to spend on the sidelines, but boy, howdy, they need him back quickly. Yeah, he's not too far away, I, I don't think. But again, you can't sort of expect a, a very talented fullback to come in and turn around what we've seen from Manly so far. Like it's more problems than just uh, missing a star fullback. Um, I will give a wrap to Josh Schuster playing on that edge forward role. Sort of thought we were going to see him eventually come on as a, you know, a utility or a 5'8". He's sort of a young ball player, but being forced to play as an edge forward. He's certainly big enough, about 105 kgs, but um, thought he really offered something. He, um, he set up a try he's certainly not um in any way daunted or, or outclassed out there so i think it could be a um, a big career in store for uh, josh schuster um i mean yeah i i guess i'd have to agree but i think maybe you think he uh he's going so well because the rest of manly is going so poorly <laughs> well maybe um <laughs> anyway hopefully uh hopefully he does have a, a fine career and hopefully manly can um sort of stop the bleeding as it were um thursday night i was out at this one 12 10 the panthers over the storm this is uh, i think i said on twitter this is the greatest proportion of a match report i've ever been forced to write after the final siren because 99 percent of the drama happened in the last two minutes of the game or after it but um final result 12 10 to penrith Unbelievable stuff. This is like, again, it was it was a roller coaster ride. It went everywhere, and it probably didn't go according to script as well. I, I genuinely thought that the Storm um, would would beat the Panthers in this one, um, regardless of ins and outs and all that sort of stuff. I, you know, if, if everybody had been in, I still would have picked. Uh, sorry, if Cleary had been paying it and all that, and um, I still would have picked the Storm uh, because I, th- I have that much faith in them. But it just. Um, it was just thrilling stuff, right? And um, it, it, it sort of it never seemed to end. And like, like you said, all it was exciting for the whole thing. But the last what, the last five minutes or so was unbelievable. Yeah. So I know there's a lot of raps on um, uh, a lot of raps on Kickout for uh, his try saver. But really, I mean, again, I don't want to be negative, Nancy. But if Justin Ole had just passed it to an unmarked uh, Josh yeah. Erica, uh, it, it would have been a very different story. I don't think, like, I would hate to. What do you think Craig Bellin is going to do? It's uh, he would have blown up. 
uh, deluxe. But, I mean, that's footy, right? But it was still a thrilling match to watch. What was it like at the ground? Um, yeah, I mean, the um, very parochial home crowd, a huge crowd for mm. a, a Thursday night. A um, lot of booing when something went the storm's way and the, the noise when Kirk Capel planted that ball down in the 77th, 78th minute was absolutely uh, phenomenal. You talk about Craig Bellamy blowing up. I, I, he'll probably be having a word to, to Justin Ollum about keeping his cool and, and doing the catch and pass, but I can confirm that he was a lot more frustrated by the loose ball. I think it was Brian Toto that chipped it ahead, um, Penrith on the, the last play uh, about three minutes from full time and the storm sort of fumbled and bumbled and all it took was someone to fall on it and they win the game and instead Penrith got it mm. back and they scored a couple of plays later through Kurt Capewell so that's definitely what um, Bellamy was more frustrated about than I don't think he's going to be taking it out on on Justin Ollum but yeah they um, two weeks in a row they've probably had enough opportunities to, to win the games pretty handily and just not not being able to cash in on the, the key moment, moments, which is not a very Storm-like trait, I've got to say, but it's something that they um, they probably need to brush up. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would agree. I think um, there's this, like, we've, we spoke last week about uh, Brandon Smith probably needing to work on his fitness, um, and I think that, he, I think he had an improved performance this week, but he, there's still something he might need to work on and just, you know, being able to stay on the field for a bit longer and keep a, keep a cooler head. Mm. Um, I liked, uh, I like Nico Hines in, in, um, in as a replacement for Pappenhausen, I thought he was pretty, pretty, um, pretty safe, and he had some really, really cool moments, really, really good moments. Uh, a lot of big shoes to fill as well, but um, yeah, like it's un-Melbourne-like to lose anything really. Um, and yet there's no Cameron Smith. It's a long season, and they're they're a classy outfit. They don't have the injury toll that the Roosters have. I think I think they'll right the ship and they'll be fine. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Let's not forget Harry Grant to come back. Um... Mm. won't be this week but probably in the next three or, or so weeks um just on brandon i spoke to him in the sheds after this game um not specifically about his fitness but i did I, he sort of brought up the the way it's changed his approach playing hooker rather than coming on as a, a bench middle um and just about changing the way he's, he used to sort of really hype himself up to come on and really so he could really hit the ground running and sort of go all out and he said he's had to taper that preparation a little bit knowing that he's got to sort of start the game and, and play bigger minutes. And I said, are you going to try and, you know, moderate that energy to play longer minutes or, you know, change your, your routine or your fitness to, to try and become an 80-minute hooker? And he said, I don't know, I'm, you know, I play the way I play and Bellamy wouldn't want me to go out there and only give 80% to just to try and get, you know, 80 minutes. So I'm going to go 100% if that means I've got to come off for a bit. So be it. So I don't, I don't mind that approach. Like he's not, you know, if Harry Grant, for, you know, did his ACL or whatever, and suddenly Brandon's the hooker for the rest of the year, it might be different. But with Harry Grant back in a couple of weeks from a, a medial and, and Brandon going back to his usual energetic middle forward role, I, I don't mind the um, the solution they're running with at the moment. I think his, his control at, at dummy halves, you know, improved through the, the three rounds. And um, they have two very, very, very tough opponents the past fortnight, you know, away games in Western mm -hmm. against, you know, two teams that are probably going to be thereabouts for top four at the end of the year. So back home in round four to, to Brisbane, I'd be backing them to get the win. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, yes, that's, uh, <laughs> I, 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 that, I just, that was, <laughs> I feel rude. Um, but yes, I, I think that's probably fair, a fair assumption. Um, back on the Panthers, uh, I I mean, I, you know, every, there's no secret that Jerome Luai is a good player, but I felt uh, without, um, without uh, Nathan Cleary there in the halves, I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but he was, he sort of reminded me of like a young Benji Marshall, a younger Benji Marshall. Sorry, like he was hop skipping and jumping everywhere. I really liked his energy. I thought he's um, I thought he had a really really good game. Um, and yeah, I thought uh, Burton was pretty solid as a stand in half as well. What do you think of him? 
Yeah, really good. Um, he's got a very long boot on him. Uh, I liked his his control. He looks pretty unflustered by by everything. I think he got the TV man of the match. I'm not quite sure he was the best on ground, but he was certainly good. Um, Luai pulled a lot of the strings, and I thought he lifted quite well in, in Cleary's absence, just given how dominant of a halfback Nathan Cleary is for those two guys to, to get the job done against a good Storm team without him is, is good signs for Penrith moving forward. I think he's going to be a good acquisition for, for Canterbury, although he's not going to help them too much unless they can start getting on the front foot uh, through the middle a bit more often. But um, yeah, for Penrith's purposes this year, all, all good signs. Yeah, I would agree. All right, fantastic. Well, that is all eight games from round three on the Sunday session. Thanks again to Josh Kerr from the Dragons for dialing in. Uh, thank you again, Kenny. We'll see you all next week.